0: All right, all right. Hey, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for being here with us on a small group Sunday at the Church, right? Uh, that is, we have a small group here today. It's Memorial Day uh, weekend, and this is the beginning of traveling season for many families. Uh, we have people in Europe. We have people up in the mountains right now. Uh, I, I heard we have uh, someone out on a vineyard and hops tour in the area. I mean, we got people everywhere right now doing all sorts of fun things. And I just want to say this is the season where we start to say uh, we want that. We want for people to travel and make memories as a family, be the love of Christ, be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever we are, and we want people to go. So when it comes to summers and slim weeks, uh, we don't shy away from that. We love the fact that people are out living life, making memories, and, and just sharing the love of Christ wherever we are in the world. So When you're in town, this is also a great time to make a plug. When you are in town during the summer, it's also a great week for you to reach out and say, hey, do you need any extra help? with set up or tear down or those sorts of things, come and greet with us, uh, different things like that. Great time for us to travel and have a ton of fun and just enjoy our summer. Uh, and when you are available, when you are here, uh, feel free to consider jumping in and just participating in what's happening while we do our casual thing on Sunday mornings throughout the summer. So we have been in a series <clears throat> called real life, uh, and this real life series has been exploring what does it look like to, to live to the fullest, right? And so we've been exploring uh, primarily the book of James. Now James, the brother of Jesus, was the author of one of the uh, letters in the New Testament, and he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem and had a lot of practical, important, valuable advice for what it looks like to live in the Christian way, what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus. So we've explored quite a number of topics up to this point, the source of wisdom. Uh, we've explored uh, finances, what do we do with money, uh, a bunch of different things like that. And today we talk about one that I think is is um, kind of at the pinnacle of these conversations, and it's relationship. We're going to talk about relationships uh, with God, with self, and with others, and I know it sounds ironic to talk about a relationship with yourself, so we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, don't worry. But we're going to talk about relationships, because I think this is a central core subject to what it is to live in the Jesus way. Uh, it is to live relationally. So I heard this report a little while back. Um, it was some time ago that it happened, but um, Justin Bieber. I don't. I don't know if we have any believers in here. That's kind of old news these days, right? Uh, but uh, I, I know Dave's a big Bieber fan. <laughs> yeah, right. That in Disneyland, right? Uh, so um, Justin Bieber. He he uh, tweets uh, that you know. Um, I want you to know that just because people are wealthy or famous doesn't mean their life is that much better than yours. Well, he got blasted for it. You can imagine how people of medium to low means read that and say, you are the most arrogant jerk in the world. Like, how could you say that about my life when you have everything, right? So he just got blown up for it. What's interesting to me is I think Justin Bieber might have been onto to something there. Uh, maybe it's coming from the wrong source and maybe it can't be perceived. Possibly some people not know he couldn't ever be on to anything good, right? But yeah, I think he's onto to something. Uh, the fact that quite often we think that more things or being able to do more things will bring contentment or happiness in life, right? And we are bombarded on a daily basis with uh, advertising and commercials and billboards and whatever else and live TV commercials that tell us if you just had this or if you were just able to go and do this, then then you would be a happier better, more fulfilled person in life, right? Uh, that's that's the nature of marketing. You need this, you want this, and by and large, friends, I think we buy into that idea pretty well. I, I know I do in my life, right? There's always that next thing that you want, and have you ever noticed when you get that next thing, there's something else in order that you're gonna want also? Like, it, it's a never-ending um, process of wanting or needing uh, more. And so we keep pursuing all these things in life, and I'm going to propose today that those things are not ultimately what will bring us contentment or happiness. And we find ourselves in our lives looking uh, into the lives of other people and uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you think in the idea of this imaginary scale of one to 10. Right. And so so we rate ourselves versus versus others. You know, Bieber, as far as having things and opportunity, he's a 10. And it's like, man, I'm like a four or five. I don't know. I'm I'm i uh, American middle class American maybe that means I'm an 8 worldwide but rarely do we think in those terms right it's like compared to him i've got so little and we do the same thing with our cars you know i, I don't know if if it's your house that's a 3 and your car is 7 or your car is or your house is 7 and your car 3 right but but we make these trades and we're like uh you know but we always want something more And we find ourselves sitting and scrolling through our social media feeds, many of us, and looking at all these incredible adventures that other people are having. And it's like, man, why can't I have an adventure like that, right? Here's the, here's the ironic thing about always pursuing more as far as things and activities and opportunities in life. We spend all this time looking at others around us and lamenting what they have that we don't have. And all the while, while we look at their lives, we are missing the most important aspects of others, which is an opportunity for relationship. Like how unreal is it actually uh, that, that we sit here and look at other people's lives and are jealous and totally miss the fact that, that this is a person that I have some sort of relationship with that I could be going deeper in that relationship with them, right? So we look at people around us all the time, and quite often totally miss the opportunity for relationship. So let's just explore today how important relationship might be in our lives. Derek Flood is an author, and he, he said this in an article I was reading from him. He said, it is in relationship that we find out who we are as human beings and what matters most in life. We as humans are made for relationship, and outside of relationship, we cannot be truly ourselves. He says we are made for relationship. It is in the context of relationship that we find out who we are. And I believe this to be true. And we're going to broaden the subject of relationships beyond just the subject of how we relate to other people. We're going to talk today about a relationship with God. A relationship or, or perception or understanding of ourselves, and then we're going to talk about our relationship with others born of those two concepts. So let's start with, um, uh, what does it look like to have a filling, fulfilling and thriving relationship with God? Uh, maybe, maybe we should ask the question first, why would I want to be in relationship with God? Or is it really possible to be in a relationship with God? You know, for those of us that, that believe in God, as, as probably most of us do here in this room, um, we, uh, we uh, consider this God that created everything, that is incredibly powerful, right? And, and this God that created everything. Everyone that we know who is powerful, you know, presidents and rulers of nations and the CEOs of top companies, these are the least accessible people to us in the world, right? To us, ordinary people, I have no direct access to the most powerful people uh, in the world around me, right? And so we would think a God who created all of this world and everything in it uh, would be, like most powerful people, uh, completely inaccessible. Right? And sometimes we live life from that very perception. At times in Christendom, God has been relegated to this far off concept, but I do not believe that is the narrative. Of scripture. I believe that the God who created all of this, who created humanity, desired to be in relationship, to walk in a garden with the, the, the good people that he had created. And when sin was adopted into the world and created separation, I believe God was a God of mission who pursued people desiring to restore right relationship with them and in the story of god's pursuit of humanity the desire to restore relationship with his creation with people whom he loves uh comes the story of jesus um actually let me back up i'm skipping one in james chapter 2:23 uh um abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called god's now, this is unique and interesting because it's referencing an Old Testament character, the man Abraham, who was called God's friend. And uh, in Judaism, God was much more separated than what we'll describe in just a moment. Uh, but even in the Old Testament, we see this idea of a friend of God, right? Uh, the story continues as Jesus comes to earth, and in John 15, 15, uh, Jesus says, I am. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. And I want to consider just for a moment this opportunity that came in the story of humanity and the story of God's work in this world, in which God in, in the form of Jesus, that, that, the the person of Jesus, uh, one in the Trinity of the Godhead, uh, gets to walk on earth, right? And, and gets to literally, uh, live in friendship with and close proximity to people. Like a new chapter had opened up and this idea of God as a friend as Jesus, you know, touched a leprous person was, was friendly and engaged in relationship in the world around him. And and then the story continues even further. Shortly before Jesus' death, he says to his closest followers, he says uh, to them, it's good that I'm going away. And if you or I were were there, we would probably say to Jesus, what many people said to him many times, we'd say, you are crazy. That is ridiculous. How How could it possibly be good that you're going away? In this story of God's pursuit and relationship with humanity, you're here on earth, and I'm sitting face to face with you. And it's not good that you're going away, but Jesus finishes that statement saying, because when I go, the Father will send the Holy Spirit to be your counselor and your guide. And yet again, a new chapter and the most remarkable chapter in this story is ushered in in which God would dwell in humanity in which the Spirit of God would dwell inside of us. Talk about a God desiring personal relationship to invest in humanity to this extent. Jesus' promise was great in the Holy Spirit. And the final piece that uh, I could save time and not say, uh, but Jesus, uh, as, he, as he dies on the cross after having promised the Holy Spirit, Um, In the temple was the Holy of Holies, separated by a curtain, and only one man, the high priest, once a year could enter into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices to God. But this is where God would dwell. This is kind of where that idea of God as separate or far away can be found in the Old Testament. And uh, and so uh, God would dwell in the holy of holies uh, with very little access to humanity, though God was at work in the world, very little direct access. And as Jesus died on the cross, amongst the miracles that happened, the rocks breaking open and tombs breaking open and the sky going dark and all the things that happened as Jesus died on this cross, uh, the final and maybe most powerful that can be easily overlooked is that the curtain in the temple uh, was torn from top to bottom. That this this curtain that separated God's presence from humanity would be no more. That there would be no more separation between God and the people that He loves, because in Jesus' atoning sacrifice, there would there need be no more separation. And so, as Jesus died and the curtain is torn away, there is an invitation to relationship. Now, um, I won't have time to go into a lot of detail here, but I want to ask you to consider. In the hours and the days to come, what does it look like to cultivate a relationship with God? naturally we have things like scripture which is very good uh, uh that's that's a that's an appropriate answer in response to this it's also maybe come to sound like the canned answer in our head right it's like oh yeah i just got to read my bible more to be in a deep relationship sure uh, it is important and and every one of us should be doing that no question about that but it goes beyond that last week sarah spoke on prayer and if you didn't get to be here i'd encourage you to jump on the website and listen to that podcast uh as she talked about uh prayer and and an invitation to a two-way conversation with God. Now, these are relational terms, right? A, a relationship in which we speak with God, but we hear from God also. So we speak and we, we, we create room, we create space also to listen to God. This is relational. And I'd ask you to consider, what does it look like for you to pursue deeper relationship with God? Consider modes of engaging God. Do you engage God Best, uh, sitting on your back porch with a hot cup of coffee, or is it going for a hike in the mountains? Is it reading scripture, or is it in prayer? And I'd invite you to consider, what does it look like to engage more deeply and fully with a God that desires relationship with you. So that's our first point as we talk about relationships. What does James and what does Jesus have to say on the subject of relationships? First of all, there is an open invitation to meaningful, deep, and fulfilling relationship with our Heavenly Father. Secondly, let's talk about self. And I already mentioned it. It's ironic to say you should have a good relationship with yourself. This is not some sort of split personality conversation. That's not where we're going with this. What I want to consider is what does it look like to have a healthy perception of self, right? What does it look like to love and embrace who we are and still to strive for more? Well, let me start uh, with this. Um, I was reading some studies recently that have been done on the idea of of our, our self and accepting ourself as opposed to self criticism. And it found that those that accept themselves, um, uh, they are more likely to reach health goals in their life. Because uh, as they've learned to accept themselves, they begin building themselves up rather than tearing themselves down with their conversations and thoughts with themselves. Um, it found that those that accept themselves... Um, they, uh, it, it helps uh, mental health, and it combats anxiety in their lives. Those that have learned to accept or to love themselves um, actually are less likely to procrastinate uh, because it combats those negative thoughts that spiral and cause us to lose traction in life, right? And and these studies found that those that learn to accept or to love themselves, um, that that accepting or loving themselves uh, helps us also in times of. Of adversity to find healing and to find hope and purpose in life. So that's some really simple practical things about learning to love or uh, accept ourselves. Um, but I want to say this from a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective, um, that our relationship with ourselves should largely be determined uh, by our identity found in God. So As we begin to engage this relationship with God and say, thank you that you are my creator and my savior. Thank you that you love me and are inviting me into relationship. We begin to, we begin to look at ourself through not only our eyes, but through the eyes of God. A God who gave everything, his son, Jesus, who promised us the Holy Spirit, who's forgiven our sins, a God who loves us deeply, and and, and rather than looking so critically at ourselves, we begin to say, what do I look like in the eyes of God? How does God perceive me, and how does this begin to change my perception of who I am? How does acceptance of self become maybe a little bit easier when we realize that in spite of my flaws, God has accepted me and and God loves me? Now, this is not to set aside sin or wrong things in our life. We continue to pursue to be better and to, to live more fully the life that Jesus has invited us to. However... We also recognize our frailty, our weaknesses, and our sins in life, and we move forward with God's perspective that there is forgiveness and that there is hope and there is new opportunity for engagement. First John 3.1, it says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Talk about identity. We are the children of God. How beautiful is that? First Peter two nine says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It says that a part of identity, our identity is not just that we are loved children of God, but that we are invited into God's mission, that we are participants in the things that God is doing in this world. So my identity, I'm a child of God. And I'm a participant in the things that God is doing. Our identity is rooted in God's promises, in in the mission of God. We learn to love ourselves because we are loved by God, and we find new hope and new meaning in that journey with God. Finally, Jesus says this. um, He says, love others as you love yourself, right? One of the greatest commandments. Jesus says, love others as you love yourself. Um, there's this there's this two-way road between these conversations. We learn to love ourselves, but not at the exclusion of others, right? Uh, instead, uh the love that God has lavished on us allows us to love ourselves. And then that love is then poured into the lives of others as we begin to love them as we love ourselves. So, I'd ask you today, how well do you love or accept yourself? It's a valid question to ask. Uh, many of us put on a pretty pretty good front, look pretty put together, uh, but in our own minds are pretty critical of ourselves. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room that does struggle or has struggled with those sorts of things. So I want to propose just a couple simple ideas on what it looks like to accept and to love ourselves a little bit better, to see ourselves like God sees us. Um, first of all, um, self-talk um, often is negative, but to shift that um, in ways that uh, raises awareness to our strengths and our good qualities. Maybe you need to be your own cheerleader occasionally, saying, hey, you're good at this, right? Uh, so so we shift some of our thought process. We focus uh, less on winning approval of others because ultimately our self-worth uh, and our worth in general is not dependent upon the view or thoughts of others. Uh, we begin to improve in accepting ourselves as we learn to forgive ourselves as God has forgiven us and then to move forward and to be better, to do better. But we learn to forgive ourselves for our mistakes. Um, we learn to accept ourselves better when we start actually making needed changes rather than just thinking about them or lamenting who we are, right? When we start to take action, moving towards positive things. Focus on writing our story instead of watching the stories of others, right? Isn't that easy to do, uh, just to see the other things going on, to be so caught up in the news or the drama or what other people are doing that we forget to really be intentional about writing our own story, right? About moving forward with the things that we want to do and accomplish in life. And finally, I'd say this, uh, we'll learn to accept ourselves better when we learn to be kind and loving to other people. Uh, and that's where we'll transition into our third point. We've talked about uh, a relationship with God. We've talked about our relationship or perception of self. And finally, we realize that we are invited um, to love other people, that we are into, invited to be in relationship with people around us. And in fact, it's in the context of relationship with God and healthy relationship with ourselves that we are able to engage in healthy, thriving, fulfilling relationships with other people around us. With that foundation of God and that perception of self, we are then able to engage intentionally in relationships with other people. Again, I was reading about studies and this idea of relationship with, relationships with other people in life. And, uh, I found some really interesting studies. Um, those with social, strong social relationships are 50% less likely to die prematurely uh was was one study that i was reading this week um that healthy social relationships um uh, aid in in countering the stresses of life that people with healthy social networks um uh are 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 healthier people in fact i saw this one study i hope you hear the irony in this it said that uh, it was done at a college and it found that those with healthy social networks were um uh let, let, me, let me get it let me get it Oh, yeah, I thought there was a percentage. There's not. It said that college students with healthy social networks were less likely to, cut, to catch the common cold. Now, the irony in that is those with strong social networks seems like they'd be around the common cold a lot more. I mean, you catch the cold from your social networks, right? Isn't that the way it works? I think so. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. But uh, I did think it was uh, an interesting thing. And what, it, what it's driving towards is this, that low social support, uh, low social network and links to other people uh, is, are, are linked to depression, decreased immune function, high blood pressure, and many other challenging things in life. And there is this quote in one of the articles I was reading. Social alienation, alienation is an inevitable result of society's materialism and frantic busyness. Social alienation, it's a result of materialism and our frantic busyness. I believe that as followers of Jesus, we are invited to take relationships far more serious than materialism or the consumerism that, that uh, tends to creep into our lives through our society. Um, I believe that engagement in relationships is the way of Jesus far more than frantic busyness, right? I mean, just look at the character of Jesus and the way he operated, walking from town to town. He didn't drive a Jeep from town to town. There, proof right there, right? No, there there weren't Jeeps back then. It's okay, I'm just playing around, right? But Jesus, uh, he lived a simple and a slow life, and he took the time to take children on his knees, and he took the time to engage in conversation with marginalized people around him, right? He slowed life down, and people mattered deeply. In uh, John 15, Jesus says this. Um, uh, Jesus has been, it, it's mentioned a couple times in John but he's been asked, what's the greatest commandment? Well, love God and love people, right? Love God with your everything and love others as yourself. And then Jesus goes on uh, to say this to his followers. He says, one command I give you. And I don't know how they perceive this. Are they like, man, we already have so many commands in the Old Testament and now I got these two great ones and now you're going to add another? I don't know if they went that way with it or if uh, if they're like, oh, thank you. Simplicity in one command. But Jesus uh, says, uh, this one command I give you, love others as I have loved you. Listen to the simplicity. As we talk about relationships and the importance, sure, there's psychological and sociological and physical benefits to living in relationship, but listen to the command of Jesus. He says, love others as I have loved you. And let me just admit that he sets the bar way too high for me. Like, how did Jesus love us? I mean, he came as a servant. He gave his life. And it's like, Jesus, how do I live? Great, it's only one command, but how do I come close to living up to that? We are invited to set that as our target, right? That is the mark that I will strive for, that I will learn to love other people as Jesus has loved us. And Jesus, as I fall short, uh, guide me and correct me that I can be more loving. So let me say this, friends. Uh, Justin Bieber has it all as far as uh, material uh, opportunities in life, right? He, he's he got it all. But I think maybe what he was getting at was that there are more important things in life than just money and things and adventures, right? And I want to propose that a primary one, looked at through the lens of Scripture and through the lens of Jesus, a primary opportunity we have in life is to live in relationship. So as we go from here today, um, it it might be that you're really uh, in tune with and good at one of these three aspects, God, self and others. Maybe you're really good at relationship with with uh, with God. Like that's just something that you feel like you have locked in. But maybe there's another one of those that that you're further from. I'd like to invite each of us today to consider where am I at in, in the context of my relationship with God, with my perception of self, and in my relationships with other people. I'd like to invite us to consider which one of these is the one that that God, that Scripture might be inviting me to consider engaging. More intentionally, Justin's been talking with us about the Connect Challenge. Did you tell us about it this morning, or I don't remember. It wasn't on there, was it today? Yeah. So this Connect, connect Challenge, and and it relates perfectly to uh, what we're talking about today: connections with God, connections with other people, both in the church and out of the church. I want to invite us to get out of our shell to find the blessing and the hope that is, that is found in, in, in a healthy relationship with God, in a, in a meaningful understanding of ourselves, and then in healthy relationship with other people. Consider with me today as we pray and, and as we close out what it looks like to engage in relationship the Jesus way. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word. And Father, as we just consider, what does it really look like to live this Christian life in the world around us? Father, in this age of social media and um, virtual uh, social circles, Father, I pray that you will open our eyes. Um, to meaningful opportunity in relationships uh, for all the good that can be done and in, in, in those other arenas. Father, fix our eyes also on the physical, right? Fix our eyes on opportunity to live in relationships. So God, we pray that today you will help us to strengthen our relationship with you. Father, I pray that you will help us to learn to see ourselves, to uh, perceive ourselves through the, through your eyes, through your lens, Father, that we can know, um, the ability to love ourselves, to forgive ourselves. And Father, as we develop this relationship with you and as we learn to perceive ourselves um, well, Father, I pray that you will help us to be a source of light and love in this world around us, that you will invite us to meaningful, beautiful relationships that are self-fulfilling and fulfilling for other people around us. Father, teach us to live in relationship as you live, and exist in relationship. Father God, we pray that you will open our eyes to how we can move forward in relationships in our lives with you, with ourself, and with others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.